Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Claire Paul. She's currently an instructor of art at Georgia Perimeter College and also a graduate of Georgia State University. Claire completed her MFA in drawing and painting there. While her art intends for the viewer to explore the unseen, her interests in music and sound performance also shape the content of her visual art. She holds a bachelor's degree from Florida State University in music and continues to perform music on the side. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. Well, and it's interesting that I just knew you as a fine artist and as a um, a painter, but I didn't realize that you also played music. So how did you decide to switch over to be more of a fine artist at this point? Well, I think in a lot of ways, there um, there wasn't an immediate route to be able to do both. You know, um, all the emphasis on going to college, you have to go to college. So that's the first thing you do, right? And you go through and... I wanted so much to do both. I'd always drawn. I'd always done artwork on the side. And I became really interested in music, especially as a performance. You know, the nowness of music is so immediate. And the, you know, art can be so eternal in some ways that the two kind of seem like a happy marriage. But unfortunately, um, there isn't really a lot of opportunities to mix the two when you go to music school. <laughs> I had a wonderful um, undergraduate experience at Florida State. But I would say that there's just so much time spent on um, all the rudimentary practicing things you have to do that I didn't really get a chance to develop the artistic side. And I thought, well, I did this music thing. I'm cool. I'll go for a few years. And then suddenly the art monster came back, you know. (laughs) I'm sure you have it where, you know, as a creative person, you just kind of get this uncomfortable feeling that you have to... um, you know, start to make something or do something that, you know, gets that energy out. And so when that bug hit again, I just thought, I'm going to switch careers. <laughs> so you mentioned in the bio that your, um, that your visual art is your sound performance and music background affects the way you do your visual art. So can you describe that a little bit about how that connects together? I think so. I think they kind of both come from this um, cloud area of, uh, if I'm going to term it, unconscious workings. Um, I think a lot of our creativity comes there. And for me, when um, I'm kind of reaching, looking for things um, through practice, which goes through both areas, essentially, music and art, very uh, well, you know, they're, they're really a discipline, both of them, that these things start to emerge in patterns. And I take those patterns, and I just, you know, you have to be willing to just kind of go with it. And I think that's how, as a process, they're similar. As far as the audience um, is concerned, I think that it depends on what piece it is, usually. Um, 
if I'm doing something that's a little bit more accessible, like a sound installation, then you can definitely see the crossover from music and, and you know, the structure of music into the sound piece. But um, I'm not even sure that for the audience it's quite as accessible as it is for me, just like the process, you know. Um, well, and I think that that's part of what artists do is they take things that they see that not everybody sees and then can at least show them part of that, can just show them a section of that. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's, that's how it, to me, it's, it's sort of linked into spirituality because you're sort of tapping into these, um, uh, frequencies, so to speak, that maybe, um, if you're walking around, you could easily ignore, you know, but if you're quiet and you're still, um, and you give yourself the chance to kind of experience those, um, a lot of times when you tune into them, there's, there's something there for you. You know, I think if you're somebody that, and I think anyone can be creative, you know, I'm, I'm really not of the mindset that only artists are special and the little, you know, special dust comes down and you make <laughs> awesome things. Um, and, and I think the Renaissance did a really awesome job of coining the term genius that we're all sort of stuck with that none of us can obtain <laughs> for the rest of our lives, right? Uh, and I just, um, I'm definitely not, uh, someone that believes in that so well and i heard a, a ted presentation a few months ago where they were talking about that term genius and they were talking about you know it used to be that the term genius was what people called their muse that the spirit would visit them and help them with the work so it was oh. and that just you know within just our century you know or the the 20th century that kind of turned to being instead of having a genius you be you are a genius. Mm. And then it was all on the artist. You know, the pressure was all on the artist as opposed to, you know, when you had a genius and you had this, this spirit that would, that yeah. would visit you, it was more of a collaborative effort. And so if it didn't work out, it wasn't all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can, I can, I think that's a great way of actually of thinking about it. You know, um, it, it, it seems like if you existed in a vacuum that you couldn't create, so you have to be able in some way, shape, or form to, to experience your muse or your um, higher power or whatever it is you're working through. Um, I think some artists definitely work with ideas as well. Um, but for my own work, I find that I'm most interested in things that are sort of secretly personal, <laughs> but not um, necessarily um, biographical. You know. So when you are creating something that's secretly personal, is it something that's that it's evident to the audience that that sees it that it's a personal thing, or is it something that you just know? No, I don't think it is, and I think it's not so much that I'm interested in symbolism, although I I do find that you know interesting to look at. But I think for my own work, um, it's it's kind of more about cycling through things. Um, in the unconscious that are either meaningful, dark, uncomfortable in order to experience or kind of get them out of the way. Maybe just sometimes it's just like cleaning house. I don't know what it is. Like there'll just be these reoccurring themes. Um, and I, I find I, I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of artists have that, you know, that they're just drawn to certain things repeatedly. Um, well, and when you and I met a few months ago, you were just getting ready to have a big exhibit of your work. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that was kind of the the theme that you were working on at that time. But and those are the samples that you sent me to put on the website. But can you it was so fascinating to me, this whole idea, it's almost kind of an 
x-ray kind of look, or that's what I thought yes. of when I looked at it. Well, yes. it's not, has nothing to do with an x-ray, but can you just describe how you create that work and what sure. that process is? Yeah, because I think what I've said so far has been fairly cryptic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that working from the x-ray is kind of a great metaphor because in a lot of ways, when you're dealing um, with working either from nature, which is outward, or inwardly, which is to me is kind of the uh, sub or unconscious working, or even your spirituality, which can also, I think, in a lot of ways, kind of loom in those areas. Um, you're, you're sort of dealing with a surface and below the surface. And so I felt like the x-ray was a great way to kind of introduce or explore that idea. Because the x-ray does capture truth to a certain extent, but it's always the unseen. You know, and that's to me like the most mesmerizing thing about x-rays. You know, if friends have them. I'm always like, can I have your x-rays? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I guess I just broke my foot, but you're welcome to have it. And I'm like, that's great. Um, so I felt like there was something visually for me that caught my attention. And then as far as making the work for this past exhibit, um, I called it Hadal Surface, which is the, the Hadal zone of the ocean is like one of the lowest depths, one of the darkest areas. And I felt like for me, it was a great word to sort of describe where I was trying to work from, trying to pull things out of. But at the same time, the surface of it is what everyone sees and, and, and how you're working. And um, so I would sort of just pay attention not only to a real connection to the body, that I have most of the time when I'm working. I center my work around the figure, um, parts of the figure, anatomy, anything sort of physical being. And then um, I was having a lot of encounters with deer. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's kind of strange um, because it's something that I could have ignored, but it kind of happened within the same month where I had these uh, multiple deer experiences. And um, to me... There's, I know deer can be a nuisance to people, but there was something kind of fleeting and special about them when you see them, um, especially if you're just driving and it's early and they're just kind of appear and then they disappear. They're almost like spirits. And so that kind of got me thinking about deer and antlers and how antlers could, you know, sort of be a metaphor for channeling energy. And that was how the exhibit happened. <laughs> I wow. just kept working from um, the idea of the deer and the antlers and the uh, and the structure of the deer, and um, then I just kind of, you know, like like anyone working with a the theme, expanded on it. Well, and you mentioned earlier about you know kind of diving into that personal secret area and bringing it into your work, and then I can see how that relates to that lower level of the ocean type of work that that you know kind of is a stepping stone into that kind of work for you and i think you know a lot of times when we see um and of course looking at a lot of x-rays there would be a lot of bones so bones have figured a lot in my work and the idea of the fossil and the bone um you know had a lot of interesting meaning for me although I think a lot of times when I would show my work, you know, especially um, to students, they'd be like, this is this is cool, but it's kind of dark. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I wasn't even really thinking about normally when we see skulls and things, we tend to think of, oh, you know, either like pirates or um, some demonic thing. And it's not really my intention to, to, to talk about the, those um, 
tropes in that way. I'm more interested in looking at the bones as part of the structure of the body and the, the physical being of being here and past. And I think fossils are a great way to talk about time. And all of it to me seemed really well tied in to the idea of spirituality in that way. And is that still a theme that you're working on now or are you, are you moving on to other ideas at this point? Well, I think it's, it's, it's something that unravels itself. Um, I want, and you know, I wish I had the genius with me <laughs> <That's right. laughs> to help me, um, understand where all of it comes from. And I think the beauty in making art sometimes is the mystery even you as a creative person have when you're making something or exploring an idea and something presents itself to you. And there's the muse, right? And that's what we were just kind of talking about. And I think it's hard, though, to, to want to take credit. I wish I could. I wish I could just be like, well, of course, I meant to do all of this. And this is exactly how it planned out. But I'll be honest, it's not how I work. Um, yeah. Some artists I know do work that way. But for me, um, there is a lot of just searching for this quiet area where things reoccur, patterns happen, and then just trying to expand on that idea. And believe me, there's a lot in a reject pile. <laughs> yeah. So how do you decide what ideas you're going to pursue and which ideas you're not going to continue with? Well, some of that, I, I'm going to be honest, does come from the art school training. You know, you have um, a lot of discussion about what you're presenting to an audience. I mean, and you are presenting to a select audience. And I think you would find a lot of artists make work for themselves and then also make work that they know that's going to be seen. And you can't help it. You know, if the two were to merge seamlessly, I think that would be everyone's ideal focus. But unfortunately, um, for whatever reason, I think there is definitely some editing going on um, because you have an audience. I mean, you're presenting your work to people and they're going to see it. So um, they may not like a piece as much as you do. You know, I, I, I remember I did this large drawing and honestly, it was just to get something out for myself. Um, and I didn't want to exhibit it because it was so different looking than all the other work. And I just kept hearing this voice in my head going, oh, no this doesn't look like the rest of the work, you know, and all that other, you know, stuff as far as making a cohesive exhibit. But I went ahead and exhibited it anyways, because um, it just seemed to be a pulse point for me. Well, and I think sometimes that voice in your head can work against you too. So it's deciding when that voice is telling you what you need and when it's giving you feedback that is not going to help you. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's, it was so helpful to have that in, in school, you know, a few years ago, because I honestly was coming at it mostly from um, the other training I'd had as a musician, where you're sort of always remembered as your last performance. And it's a completely different mindset, I think, than art, where you're sort of making something that's kind of eternal, <laughs> 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 you know, at least traditionally. Right. And, um, they're almost polar opposites. So I know that you are an instructor and you also do your art. And I know you still do some music. How, how do you juggle your time? Do you try to create art every day? Do you have like a few days a week that you focus on art and the other times you focus? And you're also a mom, so you have a lot of things <laughs> going on. I wish I could say that I was really disciplined and that every day I got up and wrote in a journal and sketched in a sketchbook. But it's just not true for me. Um, I think that I kind of have, um, like I said, these buildups of energy that need to be released. And 
they um, just kind of like a nagging that happens. And when it gets to a certain point, I stop and listen to it. Just like any muscle in your body would become fatigued or tired or blocked in some way. You know, when you take like a yoga class, they talk a lot about blocked energies, you mm-hmm. know, or any kind of chakra. And, you know, I, 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 I don't want to discount everything that I hear either, just because I know some of this can become like artistic, artsy, fartsy cliche. You know, a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, that's the artists. They, they think differently. <laughs> but um, I don't discount it. Because if you're quiet and you're listening to it, that's my process for me anyways. It's just to, if I have some time, which is rarely, um, that idea needs to be tended to. And I will spend um, a lot of time working with it. And do you find that it gets bigger and bigger and that you get to the point that you have to pay attention to it? Absolutely. I think think that's a, a good deal of it. For me. So do you have any kind of a process that you use when you get ready to create art to kind of get yourself in that space? Yeah, I think um, I spend a lot of time um, going with impulses. And I think creativity um, is a lot of play, you know, spending a lot of time playing with impulse. So um, I will generally walk through the library. I know Google Images is great, but you know, <laughs> there's just there too much. There's something about physically having yeah, something to look at. I, I do it at the bookstore. Book. Right. I do yeah. the same thing. And sometimes if you just sort of serendipity, you know, lead yourself to an area and look at a book and find a piece that resonates with you all of a sudden that maybe before you would have had no interest in. And to be honest, a few years ago, I was really not interested in uh, illuminated manuscripts. And lately, I just find myself going back to them and looking at them again um, because they're so strange and bizarre and interesting. And it was just the same exact kind of process. So I start with impulse. Then I start to sort of narrow from there, sketching, gathering ideas, writing down ideas. Not everything I do is, is visual. Most of my journal keeping is words and emails <laughs> to myself, which gosh, if I, you know, I hope no one ever reads them because they're so awful. <laughs> so what kind of emails do you send yourself? Well, I knew you were going to ask that. Um, <laughs> are they, are they ideas? That you, sometimes that you they're have? just short ideas. Sometimes they're links. Sometimes they're lyrics. It depends on what it is. Sometimes they're phrases or words. Um, I'll just come across things like I, there was this phrase I came across the internet that said, imagine the unseen. And I just thought, Oh, that's perfect. So it's in my office, like tacked to my board. And every time I see it, I think about it. And I, I, I kind of start with, with that process. Like, what am I, you know, I don't always know the end product in mind. Um, and I think it's wonderful if you're an artist in a lot of ways, you can do that maybe with a lot more experience. That's something that comes to fruition, but you know, I definitely work from the gut in a lot of ways. And then I stop, collect ideas again, edit, collect ideas and edit. And I think it's really creativity is play and then an editing process when you're going to actually present it to people. So how does your your personal work interact with the way that you teach your students? Because I know a lot of your career is, is teaching. Absolutely. Well, the first thing I try really hard to get students to do is to be open um, not only to criticism so much, but to change and to listen to themselves. A lot of times they find that they have a reoccurring theme in their own lives that they're interested in. Uh, and, you know, they, these might shift as you get older and you mature, but they're still important and they're still um, an impetus for working. So 
when students come to me and they're like, well, I don't know what to do for this project, or I don't have an idea, um, I try and look at what they've already done to start with and say, okay, well, you know, I, I, let's not worry about the end product. Just start with this. Just play with this for a while. Don't worry about the end product because they are at this stage, especially oh, especially right out of high school. They're, they're so concerned about the end product. And I'm like, you have so many years to worry about that. I was like, let yourself play. You know, you wouldn't be here if you weren't supposed to be here is often the attitude I take with mm-hmm. them or you choose to be here. Um, you know, but that t- don't discount yourself for lack of skill set. And so we really try and shape, at least in my classroom, whatever little theme of interest, I try and pay attention. By the end of the semester, I can usually point out certain themes for each student that seem to resonate with them. And, but I think that's a lot because that's how I work. So, you know, I'm going to teach that way. And are most of your students um majoring in art or most of them are yes yes quite a few of them are and that's kind of the luxury of being the two-year school is that you could essentially get a two-year degree in anything and then move on um but i do find that the majority of them are art majors but the non-majors can be just as wonderfully receptive and you know um expressive as the majors i think I mean, because for a long time, I was, an, I was a non-major taking art classes as an undergraduate. And so I understand that. It didn't mean I didn't want to be there. It just meant that, you know, there was no hoop for me. So did you always think of yourself as an artist? No. <laughs> I think that's a tough one. Um, because as soon as you um, sort of come to that label, it comes with a certain amount of ownership that you're sort of declaring yourself like, I'm an artist. And uh, it was a heavy load for me at first to even begin to uh, think of that because I thought, to me, that was like such a big leap. So at what point did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Well, or declaring yourself as an artist? Maybe it's two different things. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think I'd always made work, but I had always been afraid of showing it for years and years and years and years. And then eventually, um, at the same time, I was doing all this outside like performance music playing in Orlando. I started to enter my work into shows. And I headlined one. And I thought, oh, this is so fun. This is so neat. I had no idea. And then I had kind of tapped into this area where I thought, why do I have this urge, you know, to do this? It's sort of like you don't even know until you step in there and you're having a show and you're like, oh, this is there's so much energy. Everyone's walking around looking at work. And all of this has kind of brought us together to have a moment to look at, to reflect in some ways. And um, it kind of caught my attention as another performance venue. And so I think from then on out, I sort of whispered it. <laughs> and then when I had the credentials, I could say it. And I, I wouldn't say that's necessary for everyone, but it was for me. So how do you feel like art has affected your spiritual evolution? Or how do you feel like your spiritual evolution has affected your art? Well, sometimes I feel like art is my therapist. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure how else to say it. That in a lot of ways, um, whatever uh, either quiet wanderings, whisperings that are happening um, in your life, you know, you can sort of stop and record them almost in a lot of ways. Um, whether or not that becomes an artwork is sort of, you know, on the side to me. Um, I have a lot of work that never gets shown because for me, it's in the process of the making of listening to that voice come through. And I, um, 
I, I've, we, you know, I've often talked to my husband about this, who's a songwriter and a musician. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'm always asking him, well, you know, how do, how do you, how, where's your creative process come from? And so I, I you know, it, it's a little different, I think, for everyone. Um, but I think when you're talking about spirituality, um, there can definitely be a place that you can kind of tap into there. Um, and, you know, just like any other spring, it just kind of flows forward. Well, and part of the reason that I wanted to do the show is because I do think so many artists have different processes of how they create their work. And so I think it's fascinating to hear some of that, of how different people approach work differently and um, and then to see what the common themes are for Absolutely. people as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, to um, give a name to art, consider it important, um, I very often find the struggle of just sort of, you know, making a reason for why I'm there, you know, and it's kind of one of those things that I, I when I'm teaching art appreciation, for instance, I talk about religion because I say, well, you can't eat it. And uh, but, but people have always needed it. And art is a reflection of society. Art is a reflection of ideas. Art is often on the cusp of what's happening in the world. And it's part of our humanity. So it's something that shouldn't be ignored or discarded because it's simply not a roof over your head. Well, and I know one of the other pieces that you sent to me to post on the website is a big installation that you did. It looks like a reception area. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? What um, went into that? Sure. That was a, a piece that um, the wonderful Lisa Amblick, um invited me to be part of a show at Agnes Scott. And she basically said, here's the wall. What would you like to do with it? And um, in addition to just kind of painting the wall <laughs> with um, a line drawing, essentially, um, I also had uh, four chairs that were kind of created into listening stations. And um, the the theme of the, the show was, was, you know, to include um, a, a lot of the um, local sort of um, sounds and incidents. And so I, I traveled around Atlanta recording sounds and um, not exactly a new process, especially in the sound art area, but um, used those clips to uh, begin to sketch an idea. And once the idea had been sketched, then I took that sketch and put it on the wall. And that was essentially how it worked. And um, a lot like improvisation, painting on the wall is um, exciting and terrifying all at the same time. And it's kind of funny. Um, people get really upset just at painting walls certain colors. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think there, there's something more, even more exciting knowing that it's going to be temporary and that you're going to have this space that you're just going to, you know, go directly towards. And so I, I don't know why drawing or painting on the wall is always exciting for artists. Maybe because when you're a little kid, you're always told not to do that. That's right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's true. So does that exhibit have some of the sounds that people can hear as well, or is it, did, did the sounds just influence what you created as the Oh, no, art? they could hear that. They could hear the sounds. I remixed them and <clears throat> worked with um, sort of slowing down and speeding up certain tracks and stretching them and adding effects and reverb um, to a lot of them to sort of uh, remaster them. And then they were all different recordings set to go off like a cacophony. So when you would sit in one chair, there would be a sound behind you, but then a sound would go somewhere else. And so it was supposed to kind of be this 
what am I going to say, but microcosm (laughs) of a daily experience in Atlanta. Wow, that's very cool. So Claire, how do people find out more about you and about your art? Well, um, I do have a website. And I'm after this, I'm going to update it. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm really bad about uh, the internet. Uh, www.clairepaul.com. And I do have an E on the end of Claire. So it's all C-L-A-I-R-E, Paul, P-A-U-L.com. And um, I usually have a link on there as well to um, sound examples and and ideas and um, current work usually. Excellent. Is there any last thing that you would like to tell our listeners today before we leave? Um, just that I hope that they take some time to, to experience art um, as maybe a way to access their own spirituality, um, that they definitely just um, be aware of the world around them. Just slow down a little bit and, you know, get off the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> So do you find that your son's interested in it? I know your your son is, what, four? Five? Yeah, he's four. four. He's four. And I think he is. And I think young children are just kind of like this open conduit when they when they do work. You know, they just, they're so spontaneous. Picasso was no idiot, I'm telling you. He, he just had it so right that, you know, we are artists as children. And then we our struggle is to remain one as we get older. Because the work that children make is so spontaneous and beautiful and expressive and interesting Um, and immediate that I always find inspiration in looking at it. Well, that's wonderful. And thank you for being on the show. And our listeners can find you at clairepaul.com. And that's clear with an E on the end. So so thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of artist worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash artist worship, or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.